fact, I'm wondering, do we have any card game fans in the house? I know we've got board game nerds, because I've played with you guys before, and I've seen how competitive you are. But I'm wondering, do any of you guys like playing card games? Maybe poker, maybe you like playing spades, maybe Dutch Blitz, which, by the way, is my least favorite game on the planet. Don't ever invite me to play... I just lost you guys. Okay, I should quit and go home, right? No, I don't care for that game at all. But some of you guys really, really enjoy playing card games. And one of the things that uh, I've noticed about card games is that most card games have the same goal. They have the same um, thing that you're trying to achieve. And that is, in most card games, you're trying to get as many cards as you possibly can by the end of the game. Isn't that right? Like, you either want to have the highest cards or you want to have the largest number of cards. In most games, you want your stack to keep on growing as the game progresses. And the way you're going to win is by having the most when the game is over. But then there are some other card games, and they had the exact opposite goal. The way that you win these other card games is not to keep gaining more and more cards. Instead, in these games, what you want to do is give away cards, right? The best thing you can do if you want to win some of these games, see if I can hit Simone, some of the, the best thing that you want to do is give away cards. And in fact, the way that you're going to win these games is to end with nothing in your hand. The way that you win is to give it all away by the time the game expires. Now, here's what I think. Most people in our world approach life as if it were a card game in which the goal is to get as many cards as they possibly can by the time the game is over. That's what most of us believe our job is on earth, to keep getting, to keep gaining, to have more than the other people around us when everything is said and done. But I wonder if we haven't completely misunderstood the rules of the game that we're supposed to be playing. I wonder if we're not playing a game in which the goal is to keep getting more and more cards. I wonder if life is not a game in which the way you win is by giving away all the cards you have, the way you're going to experience victory, the way that you're going to have the best possible life at all is to take everything in your hand and to give it away by the time it all ends. Now, I think Jesus actually hinted at this. I think he told us that that was the main rule or the main objective of the game that we're playing. Because in Acts chapter number 20, verse 35, the scripture tells us that we should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. How many of you guys have heard that saying before? It is better to give than it is to receive. Of course, we almost all have, right? That is a phrase that has seeped into our consciousness. We just know it. What we don't know is that Jesus was the first one to say it ever. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, I want to point out what this verse does not say. It doesn't say it's bad to receive. Who doesn't like receiving? We all love getting presents. We all like having newer things. I mean, that's fantastic. It's not that receiving is bad, but Jesus points out it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, why is that? Why do you think Jesus says it's better to give than it is to receive? I think the answer is that you and I are closer to God. We get closer to God when we give than when we get. I think we are closer to God when we give 
instead of when we get. Seriously. I mean, you can, I can prove it to you, really. Like, think about the last time you bought a new flat screen TV. You went to Best Buy or Amazon or whatever. And when that sucker came to your house and you unboxed it and you set it on your fireplace mantle, did you think to yourself, wow. Look at that 72-inch 4K display. I have never felt more godly than I do right now. No, of course not. Have you ever bought yourself a new pair of shoes? Maybe you got some Jordans. You slipped your feet into those J's and you said to yourself, oh, I am so close to Jesus in this moment. I could be the 13th apostle. I mean, I am just that close to him right now because of these shoes. No, none of us have ever said that, right? Because the more we get, actually, the further from God we can become. The opposite of what I just explained is also true. If you have ever given to somebody in need, if there was maybe a family in your area and you heard that they had some need and you gave in order to meet that need, or if you've ever given to further Jesus' kingdom, maybe you've given to a church or a missionary or something like that, I can bet that in that moment, you felt close to God. When you buy things, when you get things, it doesn't necessarily bring you any closer to our heavenly father. But when you give things, it does. See, the truth that you and I fail to understand is that we are most like God when we give. We are most like God when we give. And the opposite of that is also true. We are least like God when we keep. The more we keep, the more we put in our hands and hold on to and hold tightly and refuse to give away, the less like God we are. Now, this is week three of our new series called Making Change. We've got two more weeks to go after today. And this is a really powerful sermon series because we're talking about the way to be free from both our love of money and possessions and to unleash generosity to change the world. Now, I recognize that for those of you guys who are visiting here for the first time, you're like, ah, crap. I came to church and sure enough, the pastor's up there talking about money. I knew it. I knew it. My mom warned me if I went back to church, they were just going to ask for my money. I'm not going to ask for your money. I promise you that, okay? There's going to be no pitch. There's going to be no pressure. Instead, what I want you to do is realize Jesus' teachings on money and finance and possessions. And if you think they're worthwhile, I'm going to challenge you to start to put them into practice. And if you do, you will find a freedom that you didn't know was possible. You will be able to make a difference with the resources you have. So over the course of this series, we're talking about four main truths. I'm going to put them here on the screen. We've covered uh, two. We're going to cover two more today and next Sunday. We've said, first of all, less is more. Can you say that with me? Less is more. Remember two weeks ago, I had all those handfuls of gummy bears and I talked about the fact that having one handful with peace is better than two handfuls with stress and chasing the wind. Then last week we talked about stress and we said the average Calgarian has so much debt and they are so under the gun when it comes to finances that they live in stress. And we can all agree that that is bad. It's not a good thing. God doesn't want you to carry around that level of anxiety. He doesn't want you and your spouse to fight all the time about money. He wants you to be free from that stress. Today, we're gonna talk about giving is good. Can you say that with me? Giving is good. That was decent, but I'm gonna ask you to do better because the 9 a.m. service really shouted this out. We can't let them win, you guys. Let's say, together. Giving is good. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Giving really is good. Now, I'm not going to attempt to convince you this morning that giving is good. 
I'm not even gonna bother with that because I think deep down inside, we all know that giving is good. We know that we want to give. We just don't really know how to make it happen. And again, I can prove it to you. Imagine you went to the Wine and Beyond store in Calgary this afternoon. And if you were to go to Wine and Beyond, I know that was a weird transition, but just stay with me here. If you were to go to the Wine and Beyond store in Calgary, do you know that you would walk down their aisle and you would find that they sell bottles of single malt Highland Scotch for $4,000 a piece? Now you say to yourself, Pastor Dan, how do you know what they sell at Wine and Beyond in Calgary? That's not important. Let's assume, though, that you were going to Wine and Beyond in order to get some communion wine. And so you're walking down the aisle, and you see this strange fellow. And he's got a manager, and he's got a security guard with him. And they're walking down that whiskey aisle. And they stop, and they use the key, and they open the glass case, and they pull out this $4,000 bottle of liquor. Dude walks it up to the register, pulls out his Visa card, and buys this incredibly expensive bottle of scotch. If you saw that happen, how would you feel in that moment? I bet you would be impressed. You would be like, whoa, I can't believe anybody can spend that much money on a bottle of whiskey. That's insane. You would be impressed. But can I tell you what you wouldn't be? You wouldn't be inspired. You would not be inspired. In fact, you might even think to yourself, $4,000, really? Like, isn't there something better he could have done with that money? I mean, hey, it's your cash. You do what you want to, buddy. But 4000 bucks just seems extra extravagant. Now, let's set that story aside. And let's assume that instead of seeing some guy buy a four grand bottle of whiskey, you hear about some guy who donated $4,000 to buy a car for a family in need. Maybe a single mom, she couldn't get back and forth to work, had to take care of her kids over the holidays. And you hear about one of your neighbors and he says, look, I don't want any you know, publicity for this. I just want to help and be a blessing. And so he gives $4,000 to buy a new car and help that family. How do you feel about that story? You feel impressed. Yeah, you feel impressed for sure. But beyond that, you feel inspired. There is something different about that versus spending and accumulating versus you know, getting and having. In one case, somebody is taking and holding on tightly and they're deriving their value from what they have in their hands. And in another case, somebody's given away. And they're saying, you know what? This doesn't matter. What matters is that I make a difference with the resources I have. We all know that giving is good. But if giving is good, why don't we give more often? Like, why don't you and I, why don't we give more often than we do? I think there are three reasons. I'm gonna spell them out real quick for you. The first is we usually say to ourselves, well, I just don't have enough to give, right? I just don't have enough. And I totally understand this argument, man. I have this fight every time I have an opportunity to give because I'm like, well, if I give, then maybe I won't have enough for myself and things are already tight and I understand that. Now, if this is where you're at in your giving life right now, you're like, hey, I'd love to give, but I just don't have any margin by the time I pay bills at the end of the month. There's just nothing left to give to anybody in need. Love to help, but I can't maybe in the future. If that's where you're at, can I encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message? You can find that on our website, connectcalgary.ca slash messages, or you can search Connect Calgary on Apple Podcasts. And um, we talk about this idea that we just don't have enough to give. We tackle that issue uh, last week in the last message. And we talk about God's plan to get you out of debt so that you are free to live generously. Because I think you want to, you just don't know how to get from where you are to where you want to be. So I get that. But let me just, let me pick at you just the tiniest bit today. And I hope you'll let me. And if this makes you mad and you never come back, I'm sorry, I, that's not my intention, okay? Let me ask you this question. If you took a 5% pay cut next year, would you be able to survive? 
probably be able to survive. I mean, it wouldn't be easy. Nobody wants to take a 5% pay cut. But if your boss said, hey, look, times are tight. The only way we can keep your job and the jobs of everybody else is for all of you guys to take a 5% pay cut. I hate to do this. I'm so sorry, but this is where we're at. Would you survive? Yeah, I mean, we would all survive. We would have to make some changes. We would have to cut back. Maybe we'd have to cancel some subscriptions and not go on a trip or whatever the case may be. But if we took a 5% pay cut, then we would probably still be able to make it. So can I just point out that if that's true, then we really have more margin to give than we like to say that we do. It's not easy. I'm not saying that. I'm not minimizing your financial circumstances. I'm saying that when we say, I just don't have any to give, maybe we're not being fully honest with ourselves. Let's flip it around because nobody wants to talk about taking a pay cut. Let's talk about getting a pay raise. Let's say you go to work on uh, Monday and your boss comes to you and says, listen, you've done such a phenomenal job. I mean, your sales are through the roof and every customer you interact with is so happy. We are so pleased with what you do here that we're gonna give you a 5% raise in 2019. You'd be like, yes! Now, is there anybody who believes that they would say, okay, now that I've got that extra 5%, that's the margin I've been waiting on to give. Now that I've got this 5% raise, I can finally start giving to people in need or giving to the church or whatever. No, no, no I wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that, right? So maybe this, this argument that I just, I just don't have enough, like maybe it's a way to make ourselves feel a little bit better without actually engaging with our levels of giving with our generosity. Maybe it's a way to just hold it at bay. And, and I'll point out, listen, we live in the, the most wealthy time in the history of the world. You realize that? There's more wealth on earth in 2018 than there has been at any other point. And in fact, every single year, there's more wealth than there was the year before. So is it really fair for us to say, oh, we just don't have enough? When 200 years ago, people who were living on pennies a day were giving. In fact, they were giving at a higher rate than we are today. I understand the argument that we don't think we have enough, but boy, can I tell you, we've got a lot more than we think we do. Here's the second reason. Second reason we don't give more often. That is, we've seen the giving message abused, haven't we? Yeah. See, when you sat down this morning and I said, hey, we're going to talk about giving, you clenched a little bit. And the reason that you clenched in your seat was because you were like, oh no, here it goes. He's going to get up and he's going to guilt me about my levels of giving. And then he's going to say, but the way you can make this right is by giving to the church today. And that's probably going straight into his pocket. I know what these dirty pastors do. I know what they're all about. Listen, I will tell you, you're 100% right. There are churches and pastors that do that. There are charities that do that. We hear about charities in which the CEOs make millions of dollars a year. And you're like, but you're, you're digging wells for people in Africa, but you're making millions of dollars a year. I don't know, it just seems like something's off. And maybe you've been in churches or you know of churches in which the pastor is very, very wealthy and the way he got wealthy was by talking about giving every single Sunday. A couple of years ago, there was a televangelist and he went on TV in front of all of his followers. This is a true story. You can Google it. It's amazing uh, and terrible. Anyway, um, he goes in front of all of his followers and he said, hey, listen, guys, uh, I am going to raise $64 million for a brand new private jet. And I want you guys to give so that I can have this $64 million brand new private jet to fly to all my speaking engagements all over the world. And of course, the vast majority of us on the outside and certainly the non-Christian world is like, are you guys kidding me? Seriously? You're going to give money to this guy? I can't believe that. It's a big story. So a reporter went and interviewed him. 
And the reporter said, hey, can you help me to understand why you need a $64 million private jet? You're a pastor. I mean, Jesus rode on a donkey, but you're asking for a brand new Learjet. Um, why, why can't you fly commercial? And you know what he said? He said, you know, I've tried flying commercial. I have. And when I sit on a commercial airplane, I'm just not able to pray. I just can't do it. There are too many evil influences. No lie. I promise you guys, you could Google this. He said, commercial airlines are metal tubes filled with demons. Ever since I read this story a few years ago, when I get on an airplane, I'm like, oh my God, I'm on a metal tube filled with demons. It's terrifying. But you know, I've never met a demon on the plane. He never, I just, it's been fine. I've been able to pray. I can read the Bible. I can have conversations with people. Everything's been totally fine. Listen, there are people who will take the message of the Bible and they will abuse it. They will manipulate people in order to get. That's the exact opposite of what the Bible is teaching. The Bible is not saying, hey, you know, pastors, you can use this story or this message in order to get from people. No, we're supposed to do exactly what we're asking you guys to do. And that is to give. That is to give. I would never want anybody to get the idea that the reason we're doing this giving series at Connect Church is for me. It's for my benefit. I promise you, this does not benefit or serve me in any single way. When we do our online advertising, maybe some of you saw a Facebook video and that's the first reason you ever came to Connect. Do you know one of the most common questions we get on our Facebook ads is how much does it cost? Oh, I'll tell you, that breaks my heart and I mean that sincerely because the heart of the gospel is that God's love is free. The, the central teaching of Christianity is that you don't have to pay anything in order to be accepted into God's family, not money. You don't have to pay good deeds. It is completely a free gift from God. And yet people have the idea, somehow the central teaching has been lost and people have the idea that if I wanna be a part of a church, I've gotta start giving. After the first service, somebody met me in the lobby and they said, man, when I first started going to church, that was what my family told me. They're just after your money. They just want you to give. That's all it's all about. You'll see, you'll see, you'll see. Hey, listen, there are certainly Christians, there are pastors, there are churches, and then there are non-Christian charities as well. There are people who have misused the, um, the teachings of generosity. They have abused them. But don't let that be an excuse to ignore what Jesus taught on the subject, okay? This money doesn't go to me. I'll just tell you straight up. I don't get paid on commission basis here at Connect. I don't get extra money if you guys give more in the offering. Um, I am so... Uh, I am so set on making sure that you understand that we're doing this series so that you can be financially free and live in the freedom that God has for you, that I'm gonna do two things this morning. One, I'm gonna tell you guys that you can get our uh, entire financial statement by emailing hello at connectcalgary.ca. Rip your inbox, Kim. Um, you can, and that's always true. You can do that at any time. We'll show you every single dollar we've taken in and we'll tell you every single dollar that we've spent. So this is, we, we have nothing to hide, okay? Secondly, I'll just tell you guys straight up, I am the highest paid staff member at Connect Church. We have five people on staff. Nobody gets paid more than me, and I make $64,000 a year, okay? So either I'm doing this for the money, and I'm just really bad at it, or I actually have a different reason for talking about giving. My salary doesn't go up if you guys give more, okay? I'm not in this for the money. I don't want your money. God doesn't want your money. God wants you to be free from the love of money, which is holding you back, from what he wants to do in our world, okay? Third reason, we have a scarcity mindset instead of an abundance mindset. It's the third reason that we don't give the way that we should. You see, we tend to think 
If I have cards in my hand, every card I give is one less that I'll have. If I give $100 to the church, that's $100 less I have. If I give $50 to a family in need, that's $50 less that I have. We believe that every time we give, we lose. Can I tell you the exact opposite is true when you read the Bible? That when it comes to God's kingdom, the math does not always add up. We read about how five loaves and two fish can feed an entire stadium. No, that doesn't make any logical sense, and yet it's true in God's kingdom. We read about how a widow goes to the temple, and she gives her last two dollars. And Jesus says she's greater than a rich man who walks in and tips God a thousand bucks that he's never going to miss anyway. We read about how water, the most um, common and cheap resource on the planet, can be turned into wine, which in the ancient world was a commodity that had great value. In God's kingdom, the math doesn't always add up. And things that seem like common sense turn out to not be that way at all. The truth is you don't lose when you give in God's kingdom. We could summarize it by saying this. In God's kingdom, every time we give, we gain. That's the truth. Every time we give, we gain. Now, please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying if you give $10 at church, you're gonna get $100 the next week. That's not what I mean. But I will say that God blesses generosity every single time. In just a moment, you're gonna hear one of the most powerful stories of generosity you could ever imagine. I promise you, get your tissues ready now. Because after the first service, people were just, oh my gosh. You're gonna hear how generosity transforms the world. When you give, you gain. You don't lose. So we have an abundance mindset, not a scarcity mindset. God can replace, God can multiply anything that I give in his name. So those are some reasons we don't give. Let me help you if you wanna get better at giving. Maybe you're like, okay, I wanna do better, but I don't even know where to start. Let me help you out. First, I think you should give to God. Now, Dan, I just thought you said that this was not gonna turn into a give to the church pitch. You told me you weren't gonna ask for anything, and I'm not. There's no pressure. You do what you wanna do. I'm only going to show you what the scripture says, and then you do with it whatever you want. Listen, I don't know who gives anything at Connect Church. I have no clue. I've never picked up the phone and called one of our church members and said, hey, listen, I've noticed that your giving has dropped off a little bit in the past couple of months. Is there anything going on that we can pray with you about? I've never done that, okay? I I don't know. I'm not interested in the money, but I can tell you, you need to be free from the grip of money in your life, okay? We should give to God. See, the scripture says, and this is the wrong um, reference. I put the wrong one. It's from Luke chapter number 12. Jesus is teaching one time and he says, certainly a person is foolish if they store up earthly treasure for themselves, but they are not rich towards God. Look, my nat- I'm only gonna speak for myself, but I wonder if any of you guys can resonate with this. My natural tendency is to be rich towards myself. It's to be rich towards my family. It's to be rich towards my friend. But the gospel, the good news, the, li- the, 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 the journey of Jesus calls me to not just be generous to myself, to not just be rich towards my family and friends, but to be rich towards strangers and even most importantly, to be rich towards God. 
Now, there are a lot of reasons why God calls us to be rich towards him, to give towards his kingdom's sake. I mean, one of them is obedience. This really is an obedience issue. If you're considering following after Jesus, then I'll just tell you straight up, one of the things that he's gonna ask you to do is to live generously, to give of your time and your talent and your treasure on a regular basis. That is fundamental to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And if that pushes you away, that's okay. There were people that heard Jesus talk on these things. They got angry and they left and Jesus was cool with that. So we're gonna be cool with that too here at Connect Church. I'm just gonna tell you, following Jesus means living generously. So it's an obedience issue. Also, God calls us to give generously so that we can help people in need, right? There is opportunity for us to make a difference in the world. There are people who genuinely have less than us and who genuinely need our help. And man, I'm holding seven or eight cards in my hand and it really wouldn't be a big deal for me to give one of them away. And so I have an opportunity to make a difference and help those who are in need. But I'll just tell you straight up, I'm more selfish than that. I don't give, and I do give, I'll I'll tell you, Early on in my years as a Christian, this was hard for me. I did not give generously and regularly. Even during years when I was a pastor, I was not giving regularly. Finally, I've gotten over that hump. I've learned how amazing a life of generosity can be. And so I can tell you straight up without any sort of guilt or anything like that, I've learned to follow Jesus' teachings on this subject. But I'll tell you, the reason that I do it is not because God demands it. It's not so that I can make a difference in the world. The reason that Pastor Dan gives is because I need to give in order to be free from the love of money and possessions. Just straight up, I'm telling you, honestly, bear my soul to you. It is so easy for me to start to believe that my life is defined by the cards I hold in my hand. And I think if I get another one, then I'm doing better. And if I give away one, then I'm doing worse. And when I force myself to give away, you know what it reminds me? It reminds me that my life is not judged by how much I'm holding in my hand when I die. This is not the value of my life. You see, giving dethrones me and it enthrones Jesus. It takes me out of the equation and it makes God number one in my life. And I'm just telling you, I need that because if I just took 100% of my income and I continued to spend and buy and spend and buy, I would continue to believe that my life is measured by the abundance of my possessions. But it's simply not true. So I give, not for God's sake, not for the sake of others. I give for my own sake. It doesn't really matter why you give. It doesn't matter if it's because of obedience or to help other people or because you know that it's good for your soul. You need to give. Ultimately, my friends, generosity is the only antidote to materialism. It is the only way to move beyond our belief that stuff defines us. The only way to let go of the things and the money and the possessions that enslave us is to start giving more of it away than we ever thought made sense. And listen, I'll just tell you guys, there are plenty of worthy um, causes to give to, okay? Lots and lots of worthy causes to give to. But for me, none of them are as important as God in his kingdom, okay? So when I'm considering my personal giving, I choose to give to God, I choose to give to his church, I choose to give to his kingdom first. Then I give to people who are in need, and then I give to the Mighty Mites hockey team in my neighborhood who's trying to raise money to go, you know, play in a tournament. All of those things are worthwhile. You should give to all of them. But I think if God is the ultimate source, if he is the king of your life, if he is the, 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 the source of every good thing, then he deserves our first 
and our best. If we can invest in temporary things or eternal things, I'm going to choose to invest in uh, eternal things and not temporary things. That's just my thought on it. You take the teachings of Jesus and do what you want with them. Second thing, you've got to plan for generosity. You have to plan for generosity. You can't just say, you know what, I'll see how things go. I'll see, you know, what opportunities present themselves next month. And if something strikes my interest, I'll give towards it. You know what? You won't give. We've learned something fascinating through research. We've learned that the average Canadian overestimates their generosity by a factor of eight. So if you ask people, just like average Calgarians like you, hey, how much of your money do you give to charity and charitable causes every single year? Most Calgarians will say like ah, 5%, 4 5 6%, somewhere in that neighborhood. When you actually track their charitable giving, do you know how much the average Albertan gives in charitable giving each year? 0.65%. Basically half a percent is what we actually give away in charitable donations each year. That's low. Just for your own information, Manitobans are the most generous in Canada and Quebecers are the least generous. Now, I'm not making any claims here. I'm just telling you the facts. And in fact, I'll give you another one that you're gonna hate. The average American is three times as generous with their finances than the average Canadian. Now, look, I'm not trying to guilt you. If you feel, that's not me, that's just numbers. You do with it what you want. Here's what the Bible says in Isaiah 32, eight. The generous plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. They say, you know what? I'm not just going to wait and see what comes up. I'm going to sit down with my spouse and we're going to decide, look, this year we're going to give away 5% or 8% or 10% or 12%. You say, that's crazy. Nobody gives 12%. Yes, they do. The generous plan to do what is generous and then they stand firm in their generosity. Look, if you don't plan to be generous, here's what's going to happen you're gonna give 0.65%. And 0.65% is better than nothing, I suppose, but it's not enough to make a difference in our world. There's still too many people that are going without because you and I are only giving 0.65% on average. And 0.65% is not, a, it's not enough to make any difference in your heart. You will never miss 0.65%. In fact, you stop giving the moment it hurts. And so it's not enough to make any difference. You've got to choose ahead of time, I'm going to give. And I'm going to give to the point that I feel it because A, it's obedience to God. Because B, it makes a difference in the world. And because C, I need to be free from my love of stuff and money. Last thing, I think you should start today. Like seriously, start today. I think you should start giving today. The book of Philemon, chapter number one, verse six says, I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things that we have in Christ. If you wait, like here, here's what I know will happen. You, you'll have a voice that comes up this morning. You're like, man, he is so right. And we probably haven't been given as much as we should. And you know, it, it would be helpful if we gave more. So tell you what, starting January 1st, is gonna be my new year's resolution. I am going to start giving. You know what'll happen? January 1st will roll around. You'll have forgotten all about this message. You won't start giving then because you didn't start giving now. It matters that we start sooner instead of later. I think you should start giving. I think you should have a conversation with your spouse and say, where have we been giving? What have we been giving? How can we use our resources to make a difference? Guys, look, we have too many cards in our hands. We have too many cards in our hands and we're holding on to them as if that's the goal of life. It's not. 
Giving these cards away is what Christ has put you here to do. It's why he's given you resources. I'll just tell you, there is such a thing as buyer's remorse. There's no such thing as giver's remorse. You've never heard anybody talk about giver's remorse. I have bought things and got home and thought, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Why did I spend that money? I didn't talk to Amber about this. She's gonna be so mad when she finds out. Yeah, you're laughing because you know that that conversation too. I've had buyer's remorse. You know what? I have never missed money that I've given to somebody in need. Never, I've never, like, I'm not saying it was easy. I'm not saying in the moment, I'm like, oh gosh, it'd be better if I could just use this on my own and what I want. But, you know, later on, an hour, two hours, three weeks later, I'm not thinking, wow, I wish I hadn't donated to that missionary. There's no such thing as giver's remorse because every time we give, we gain. Let me let you hear one of the most powerful stories you'll ever hear that illustrates this truth. I want you guys to welcome to the stage my friend, Kathy Morales. Kathy's going to share an incredible testimony with you, and I'll say about her the same thing I said about Alan Robin and others that we'll be sharing during this series. We're not highlighting them because they're saints and they get it all right and all that sort of stuff. We're highlighting it because these are people who have put into practice the teachings of Jesus, and it has changed their lives. Thanks, Dan. When I was a young mom, after years of trying to do life my way, I said yes to Jesus. My husband was not very supportive of my decision. After about six months into life overflowing, he said, how long is this Jesus thing going to last? I said, I have no idea. Next, they're going to be asking for your money, he complained. On my journey with Jesus, I was hearing some unfamiliar words. I thought I got zapped by God when I said yes to him, and someone told me, no, Kathy, you are born again. Soon I heard another strange word, tithing. I inquired and was told to give 10% of my income to the church. They said, it's all God's. You get to keep 90. A new concept. I uh, knew my husband wouldn't be very happy about this. I was teaching a few piano students, so I decided that I would tithe my limited income. I was sure my husband wouldn't even notice, although things were very tight. In those days, we had more months than money. In addition to our mortgage, we had some credit card debt and a loan. Three years later, my husband surprised me and decided to become a Christian. He started learning those same new words that I was learning. One day he said, what is tithing? I explained and told him he didn't need to worry about it because I was already tithing. He asked me, is it in the Bible? That was his new favorite book. The answer, of course, yes. He said, then I'll do it. He was confident. I was scared. Maybe it's just one per family, I suggested. I wanted to tithe. I want to tithe, he said firmly. We are learning to trust God with our lives. I think that includes our money. Okay, I reluctantly agreed, and we started tithing. I'm not sure how God did it, but we paid off all our credit card debt and our loan. For the first time in our married life, we had more month than money. We were learning to do life God's way. As some of you know, my husband died in 2009. At that time, we only had four years left on our mortgage. Our payments were a little bit high for me on my own. I talked to the bank, and they suggested on the renewal date that I should stretch the amortization from four years back out to 15 or 20 to bring our mortgage payment way down. This would give me time until I was settled and figured out what my income and expenses would be without Jesse. I prayed and asked God for wisdom. 
He had a different plan. A few weeks later, an acquaintance from Edmonton was in town. We went out for dinner. She asked how I was doing and if I was going to be okay financially. I assured her I was just fine and told her of my plan to change our amortization so my monthly payment would be lower. We had a wonderful evening and chatted about many things. She returned to Edmonton and called me a few days later. She asked me how much money I owed on my mortgage. I thought maybe she knew a broker and was trying to get me a better interest rate. Then she said, on my drive home, God spoke to me and he wants me to pay off your mortgage. I told her, oh, I'll be fine. And she didn't need to do that. After all, I didn't even know her really well. She said, Kathy, I'm not asking you if I can pay off your mortgage. I'm calling to tell you God has asked me to pay off your mortgage. All I need to know is your address. I will mail you a check. I received a check for $30,000 in the mail. What fun I had when I went to the bank on my mortgage renewal day and said, I'm not renewing, I'm paying it off. I had a sweet opportunity to talk to the mortgage specialist about the faithfulness of God. My confidence in the future comes from God who has been faithful in the past. Romans 13, 4, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Thank you. Generosity changes things. It has the power to make a difference, both in your life, in the lives of others, and in the eternity of people all over our world. I'm going to close with one final verse. I've told you this morning that every time you give, you gain. And every time we give, we are most like God. If there's any word that would describe our heavenly father, it's that he is a giver. John chapter number three, verse 16, one of the most famous verses in the entire Bible says, this is how much God loved the world. That he was angry, that he judged, that he sentenced, that he zapped, that he punished, that he hated. No, this is how much that God loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever tithes to the church, nope. That whosoever gives to the needy, nope. Whosoever gets it right, nope. Whosoever frees themselves from the love of money, no. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting, eternal life in Christ. The reason that we give is because God gave to us. We've highlighted these four truths over the course of this message. And these things not only apply to your financial life, but in truth, they are even more applicable to your spiritual life. We're gonna talk next week about how tomorrow matters. Your eternity is real. You're going to spend somewhere. And the best way that you can spend it is with God to invest in his kingdom and to love and to serve him both today and forever. Because tomorrow matters so much and because giving is good, God gave to each one of us. He gave his son to pay for our mistakes, to pay for our selfishness so that we could find new life in him. He knew that stress was bad. 
Not only is financial stress bad, but in truth, all the stress that you and I experience, financial stress and relational stress and career stress, all of it relates back to our sinfulness, our brokenness, the fact that we are separated from God without Jesus. And so because tomorrow matters, because giving is good, because the stress you experience by being separated from God is so bad, he did something about it. And what he did was a little less than what you might expect, but it's way more than you realize. He sent Jesus to die in our place so that we could be forgiven and restored. You don't give money in order to become a Christian. You don't attend church in order to be a Jesus follower. In fact, all you have to do is believe that God loves you and he accepts you into his family. That's all it takes in order for your life to be changed. My friends, you need to make financial change. I mean, I do, we all do. We've talked about how bad our situation is, but in truth, our spiritual situation is far worse. We can make change by trusting in Christ. 